Welcome to episode 12 of I Quit Blank and Started Running, a podcast featuring people who turn to running as a way to overcome a particular challenge in their lives. Join me each week as I share inspiring stories of where they started, what it was that made them want to change, how running factored in, and where they are today. I'm your host, Antonia de Heinrich, and I am excited to let you know that my podcast is available on all major podcast platforms, including Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and Apple Podcasts, which is probably where you are listening today. If you have not yet subscribed, I will be eternally grateful if you do, and when you get a chance, leave me a rating and review. It would mean the world to me and my amazing guests who are all willing to share their stories with you. My guest today is Craig from Blackburn, UK, who only two years ago ended up in the hospital weighing in at a whopping 462 pounds with dangerous health conditions resulting from his self-proclaimed addiction to food. When medical staff told Craig that he was eating himself to death, he decided then and there to embark on his incredible weight loss journey. No pills, no coaching, no surgery. Only iron willpower and discipline led him to lose half his body weight within only 12 months. As soon as he got to a weight where he could run, he did. Here's Craig recounting his first half marathon only one and a half years after his hospitalization. The goal of mine was to enter the Great North Run, which is held in Newcastle Half Marathon in September 2019, which I did with my sister, but we didn't run it, we brisk walked it. And we managed to do that in three hours and 27 minutes. My sister, Angela, had been by my side through the journey. So when we went over the finishing line, like we did actually run with the holding hand. It was quite emotional, to tell you the truth, when I went over the line. I did have tears in my eyes because that was another major, major achievement for me to be able to do that. My late father... Well, he passed away, it'll be 10 years in November. So when we did that Great North Run Smash Walk, I dedicated that in his memory. Needless to say, the atmosphere at the Great North Run Half Marathon must have been intoxicating. Now Craig is hooked on running and running races. Let's get the whole story. Here's Craig. Hello, Craig. How are you? Yeah, I'm very good. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining me today on this uh, podcast episode, our episode 12. And um, you're dialing in from the UK. I just want to jump in with a quick introduction. What is your name? Where are you from? And what do you do? Yeah, my name is Craig Moody. I'm from Blackburn in Lancashire in the United Kingdom. And I work in retail as an office assistant. Great. So when was your most recent run and how did it go? Uh, My most recent run was on Sunday and it was a 5k run. It went fairly well. Back over here in the UK, we've had a bit of extreme heat at like 28 degrees. So it was a bit of a hot and sweaty run, but it went very well. And it was more a, a training room, really, because of the conditions and everything. I didn't want to overexert myself too much. So I just took it nice and steady, and I did it in about 33 minutes. 
Good for you. Yeah, running in the heat is probably one of my least favorite things to do. <laughs> I'm more of a cold weather person, so good for you for getting out in the heat. Yeah, I hear Europe is quite toasty these days. Yeah, it certainly is, yeah, because obviously in the UK we're used to a cool climate, so on the odd days where like 28 degrees over the year is very hot so it's certainly different running in heat because normally i'm running in either the cold or it's either raining or the temperature is about 20 20 degrees so it was certainly different running in that heat yeah definitely it's good for training right <laughs> yeah so um Let's jump into the interview because your story is pretty incredible. Like I looking at your photos, your before and after photos, you know, your transformation has been quite stunning. Uh, you even made the paper. So let's start at the beginning. In school, you described yourself as chubby but active. But when you left school at 16, partying and eating junk food became a routine. Tell us what your life was like and what contributed to your continued weight gain. Yeah, so really, if I start back in my primary school days, I used to be active. I used to play football, and um, I was not massively overweight, slightly chubby. But then after I left primary school, obviously I went to secondary school at the age of 11. Now, I wasn't in the football team or anything at, at secondary school, so just... As I was going through secondary school, I probably gained a bit of weight, but nothing, nothing extreme. But it was when I left school at uh, 16 that my weight started to pile on, if you will. When I was 16 and 17, I used to have just a mountain bike, so I'd just do a bit of biking locally. But then when I turned 18, I got a job, so I had some income. I was living at home. I found going out, socializing, going out twice a week and drinking quite a bit of alcohol. And after a night out, it would be a takeaway or something like that. So obviously it was a high calorie intake. Uh, every Friday and Saturday night, I would go out. So from the age of like 18 to about 24, it was a case of going out, like partying which contributed to putting more weight on then. And really from 18 to 24, I was working and everything, but really I didn't used to have a set exercise routine or anything. And I just like got into a bit of a, a lazy routine. I'd do a eight to 10 hour shift at work and then I would come home and I would just sit or lounge watching the telly with uh, just like food beside me. So like I say, up to 24, I would go out every weekend, twice a weekend. Um, but then I met my partner, well, who I'm no longer with now, but at the age of 24, I met my partner. So the partying like, lifestyle calmed down um, quite considerably. I probably only go out once every six months then. But the eating continued. And I would describe it as like, it was a food addiction I had. I, I felt like I ate vast amounts of food. I wasn't really hungry, but 
it was a case of just like pigging out, if you will. I wasn't getting no exercise at all. So the weight rocketed even more. And I would say that in 2004, when I would have been 28 years old, and I can remember that I went for a job and I had to have a medical. And obviously they had to take my weight. And beforehand, I never used to weigh myself on the scales or anything. So to my shock, I weighed 20 stone at the age of 28 years old. So the nurse, she did like warn me that you're massively overweight and you could do with getting into a routine of albeit just going on small walks or something like that and eating a proper healthy diet and cutting out all the like junk food and everything. The food addiction became even more apparent and I would eat even more high amounts of food. I could easily eat up to 8,000 calories a day, which looking back was a disgusting amount of food. I'd go to work. Life would be very much a struggle. I'd come home from work, drop into the chair because I was that tired and out of breath. And my control for food went out of hand and I would eat anything that was to hand. Now, my failing thing was I used to go to the supermarkets and go to like the reduction bit. And if whatever was reduced, whether it be pies, sausage rolls or anything, bread, if it was reduced, I would just like stockpile it. Sometimes I didn't even get around to eating it all because it had gone out of date. So I'd end up uh, throwing that away. But obviously I used to eat, eat a lot of savory products and everything. Chris bread. I used. I could easily eat half a loaf of bread in one sitting, or if I toasted it with a load of butter on. So as you can probably gather, my weight escalated even more, and I would say that by the age of thirty-five, I would have been about twenty-five stone. So then, from the age of twenty-five onwards, up to the age of forty-one. My weight rocketed to the top amount I did weigh. It was 33 stone. When I was at 33 stone and age 41, I actually ended up in hospital for 18 days. I had a pulmonary and leg edema. I had that much fluid in my body. I couldn't excrete it all. So basically my organs within my own body were drowning. The final organ would have been my heart, which obviously would have been fatal. They hooked me up to a drip with fruzimide. And within the first 12 hours of me being on this drip, I actually excreted seven litres of fluid because there was that much buildup of fluid in my body. And it was on my lungs that was affecting my breathing. So I was hooked up to a drip for eight days, catheterized. So I was passing obviously high amounts of fluid. But while I was in, I had to have an ultrasound on my heart. It could have been a lot worse, but it just showed that they had some mild damage to one of my left ventricles on my heart. They classed it that I had 10% damage to my heart. So in hindsight, it could have been a lot worse. I have to live with that anyway. But they said, after I changed my life round, 
know, can continue exercising and everything and lead a normal life. When all this happened to me back in April 2018, it was a big wake-up call because previous to that, I'd always buried my head in the sand. I never used to weigh myself. If I took a glance at myself in the mirror, I would say to myself, that, that's not me, that's somebody else. So when I established I had these health conditions, I knew I had to do something about it. A nurse said to me that in his experience, he dealt with two male patients who had been similar size to me, 30 stone plus. They didn't turn their life around, change their eating habits and take up exercise. And unfortunately, they'd passed away. So I'd already made a conscious decision in my mind ending up in hospital. It frightened me. And I knew I had to control my food addiction. So with him saying that and me consciously in my head knowing I had to do something about it, because literally it would have been life or death, had I continued eating, it's not a nice thing to say, but I don't think I'd still be here today. So ending up in hospital, I would consider in my case, it was a blessing and it highlighted what health conditions I had with my excess weight and my food addiction. So I knew I had to act upon it from there on. Yeah, I, we know now that you were able to turn your life around completely. So you were 42, you weighed in at 33 stone, which is about 462 pounds, which ended up being your peak weight because of what the nurse said to you. They basically said you were eating yourself to death. And um, you already in the hospital made a conscious decision and set yourself a goal on your weight loss, is that right? So tell us how, how you started with your turning your life around that very moment in the hospital. The, I was admitted late on a Wednesday. It highlighted all the issues I had. So on the Thursday, I made the decision off the menu. Basically, I just stuck to the salad menu. So the nurses like said, are you feeling okay? Like it was a tongue-in-cheek remark, like a bit of light-hearted thing. The nurses were being nice, kind to me and everything, saying, are you sure? Do you not want to like have maybe just a, a jacket potato or something like that? But I said, no. I said, I need to lose this weight, so I'm going to stick to this. So they were like very helpful and understanding towards me. After the first week, when I got the catheter took off me, I used to go and walk the halls of the uh, hospital because I knew that I wanted to try and be mobile as much as possible. I just like, used to stroll very slowly up the corridor and just back. And I used to do that like, I don't know, 10 times a day. And then I think towards the end of the second week I was in, I wanted to walk a bit further so I could go outside of the hospital to get a bit of fresh air and it was a bit of a longer walk so I used to like force myself to do that because I, I started to feel we'd been mobile and moving about I was feeling a bit more with it but also at the end of the second week they'd monitored my sleeping pattern and it was highlighted that I was suffering with sleep apnea so I, w I had to be trialled with two machines 
each night well one night and then the following night with a different one and then the prescribed that i needed a cpap continuous positive breathing assisting machine which i had to come home with and i had to keep using that but i'll go into that later on how i got off that so after 18 days of being in hospital i was discharged on the first day when i came home i used to just walk up and down my street i'd lost about two stone in weight so i was down to 31 stone then but obviously when you're 31 stone it's still a massive effort just to walk like 100 or 150 yards up and down the street so for the first couple of weeks i just potter up and down the street slowly walking i stuck to eating healthy when i come home i put myself on a strict 1200 calorie daily intake even just losing the losing two stone in weight I could feel the difference, even though I was still massively overbeast at 31 stone. So I used to venture a bit further around my local streets, maybe walk a mile. And then after about eight weeks, I actually set myself a challenge that I wanted to walk to one particular park, which is about uh, three miles away from here. Anyway, I'm happy to say with great effort, I managed to walk three miles. So when I got there, I gave myself a pat on the back because I built myself up and had accomplished that, which was a big thing for me to walk three miles still at that excess weight that I was at. Anyway, coming to July, uh, my mum kindly purchased a recumbent exercise bike. I needed a specialised bike that would hold my weight at 28 stone. So the only option was a recumbent exercise bike, which coincidentally, the maximum weight holding was 28 stone. So I went onto eBay and we found one which was in Leicester in the UK. Now, basically, from Blackburn to Leicester, it was like a 200 mile round trip. So we hired a van and we went to pick this exercise bike up. And my mum, who kindly bought it, she's always been a big support to me, my mum. So I got it back in the house. I was sat there looking at it, thinking, shall I go on it today or shall I go on it tomorrow? So I thought, well, there's no time like the present. So I jumped onto the bike and i probably only did a couple of minutes on it and like i was tired but i thought well i've tried it so each day i'll try and increase it so like i said that was in july 2018 so i would say by the end of july i used to do about 20 minute sessions on it still continue with the walking around the local area like three miles a day i tried to do about 10,000 steps when I came back out of the hospital, I set it in my head that every Friday I would go down to my local GP centre where they had specialised scales that would hold and take the weight of somebody who was at that extreme weight then. But the good thing about it was it used to print a ticket off 
for me, telling my weight in stones and in kilograms. So these weight tickets, every Friday, I used to keep them because it was like I'd, I'd worked hard each week, stuck to my 1,200 calorie intake, and had done the exercise. Within the first week from me coming out of hospital at 31 stone, when I got weighed on the Friday, I think I'd lost 12 pounds in weight, which was just two pounds short of a stone. Another decision I made that I wanted to lose the weight naturally through exercise and eating a healthy diet. I did all this on my own, through my own willpower, sheer determination. I don't think that I know of anybody who has incredible discipline that you're showing. I mean, you just made the decision in the hospital to cut your calorie intake, you know, from whatever you were eating, 8,000 calories to 1,200 calories a day. You begin walking and cycling. You just religiously follow this diet and exercise plan on your own. And within a year, you'd go from a 6XL to an XL shirt size, right? And a 58-inch waist to a 38-inch waist. So you can't run yet, but you've lost a lot of weight. So how much weight had you lost by the point where you can start running? Or how did running enter the picture? Yeah, so basically, like I said, back in April 2018, I was at 33 stone, the peak, when I went into hospital. So come 12 months later, I had successfully lost 16 and a half stone. So basically, I was half the man. When I was at 33 stone, I used to think to myself, if I can get to 25 stone within a year and then work, take it another year and lose, get to 20 stone, I'd be more than happy with that. But it was like within my wildest dreams that I could get to 16 and a half stone. Obviously, when I used to get weighed every Friday and some weeks I'd lost half a stone, that gave me even more motivation and passion to lose the weight. I was getting fitter. So I'd increase my walks to maybe six, seven, eight mile walks. So sometimes I was walking along at a brisk pace and then I'd think to myself, can I jog? But I thought, I look stupid, me jogging. So I thought to myself, I'll try it one evening when it had gone dark. I'd go on a, a walk late at night and obviously there was nobody about. Sometimes it was just a case from running from, well, I say running, it was more of a jog. Like if I got to one street corner and there was another street corner, I'll just try jogging and see if I can do it. Anyway, to my delight, I found that I could jog. It might have only been, I don't know, a quarter of a mile, I could do it. So as I continued doing my walking after April 2019, I would do a 30-second jog and then a two-minute brisk walk and then same again, 30-second jog. Slowly, I built it up, I would say, within about another four weeks, I could like sustain a one-mile jog. And then slowly, slowly, I built it up where I could jog for a mile, walk a mile, and jog a mile. By this time, my brother-in-law, Matt, he had always mentioned to me about the local park runs, which are events that are held 
at varying parks throughout the United Kingdom. I think there's about 650. These happen every Saturday morning. They're free and they're run by volunteers and everything, and everything's well organised. He kept mentioning it to me because he knew like a I could jog. So come August 2019, he talked me into going. The night before, I was a bit nervous thinking, can I really do this? I don't want to make myself look stupid or anything like that. Anyway, cut a long story short, on the Saturday morning, he came to my house at eight o'clock and they took me to my local park room. We got there for about quarter past eight, so we were there in plenty of time. So I'm sat in the car thinking, is this really happening? Am I really doing this? Because I thought, I've come such a long way. We're losing all this weight. It was like a dream. Is it really me doing this? Anyway, as it got to half past eight, he says, I think we best start like gathering. And then the marshals give a bit of a health and safety talk about the course for anybody new. So my brother-in-law, he said, he told me he was just going to the toilet. But actually, he went to the park room host and he must have said, look, my brother-in-law, Craig Moody, is doing his first park run today. And he obviously told him that I'd lost so much weight, 16 and a half stone in a 12-month period. Well, when I entered the park room then, I was down at 15 stone. So I'd lost another stone and a half since the April. So obviously I'd lost 18 stone in weight by then, which was in the August 2019. So he reappeared, cracking onto me. He'd been to the toilet, but he'd obviously been to the host. We went to the uh, starting point and then the host is on the microphone. Like if there's any people visiting from different towns. And then next thing was we have Craig Moody here. So then obviously it clicked. He looked at me like with a wry smile as if to say, listen to this. It, this uh, host said, we have Craig Moody here doing his first part run. Now Craig was 33 stone in April 2018. And as of today, August 2019, he has managed to lose 18 stone in weight and now weighs 15 stone. So on that day, I think there were about 140 people doing the part run. They all gave me a massive round of applause. So I was very happy about it. I was a bit embarrassed because I was taken back, but in a good way, if you know what I mean. So like 140 people like saying, well done, Craig. That made me feel good. It wasn't a case of what time I was doing it in. It was just that I was in a position that I could do it because obviously back in the April 2018 at 33 Storm, just walking up a flight of stairs was an effort and I was out of breath. So it was just a case of being able to do it. Anyway, my brother-in-law stuck by my side because obviously he can run a lot quicker, but it wasn't about the speed. It was just the doing it. So cut a long story short, I ended up doing it in 42 minutes. So I managed to be able to jog 80% of the run it's a, a two-lap run. So quite a few, a few of the runners who were like primed runners were saying, good on you, Craig, and so forth, and giving me all nice compliments and everything. So I realised what the running community is about. 
that people look out for you and they're all so helpful and uh, give you so much support. So when I finished the park run, quite a few people came round. They were shaking my hand. They were asking me for a bit of advice on how I'd lost the weight and what my diet was. That was in August 2019. And then an old school friend called Heather invited me on Facebook to join a local running group that run around my local area. So I think she invited me mid-September. So like, again, I was thinking, am I up to doing this? Will I look stupid or something? So I think I left it a week. Anyway, I thought to myself, well, I've come so far. I thought, why not? Let's go and give it a try. So I think I turned up on a Monday evening with the group. They're called the Wilkinson Warriors. I didn't know anybody. I was a bit nervous and everything. But from then on, they welcomed me with open arms. They asked who I were. So I told them a bit of a background about me and everything. And then on the first evening, I think we did a 5K run. So I was a bit apprehensive thinking, I hope they like, don't leave me behind or anything, but it was nothing like that at all. We, nobody gets left behind in the group and they all do run back and they all stick together and they've become a very good group of friends to me. So then in the November, a lot of them had entered the Blackburn 10K run. So obviously I'd never run 10K. I'd only done 5K, so like this was end of September. So I thought, oh, it's twice the distance. Have I got it in me? So they, they like geed me up and said, just build your mileage up gradually, week on week, because I think it was about another seven to eight weeks before the Blackburn 10K. So from going from running 5K, I might have done 6K one week and then 7K. And then eventually... Come beginning of November, I was doing a couple of 10K runs a week with the Wilkinson Warriors group. Come November 2019, it was on a Sunday, the Blackburn 10K. So obviously you have to pay to enter it, but that was didn't come into the equation, the paying the money. It was the fact, to me, it was a, a prestigious run and it was going to start within the... Uh, football ground of Blackburn Rovers and go through the town centre. Now, somebody called Emma within the Wilkinson Warriors running group who has lost 11 stone in weight herself, she then messaged me the night before and said, if you want, seeing as it's your first run, I'll run with you. So I said, that's very kind of you. So yeah, I said, if you want to. I said, I don't want to hold you back or anything. And she said, no, not a problem. When I turned up on the Sunday morning, there was about 12 of us from the Wilkinson Warriors who'd entered the run. So I think it started at half past nine at morning. So I got there well in advance, about half past eight. So the majority of the Wilkinson Warriors group was there. So Emma came across to me and she says, have you any particular time in your mind that you'd like to do this in? So I'd always said to myself, 
maybe 70 minutes, an hour and 10 minutes. So I don't know why, subconsciously, I just, a, a figure, a random figure come out of my mouth and I said 65 minutes. So when I said it, I thought, should I have really said that? Because I thought, I don't think I can do it that quick. Anyway, come half past nine, we were ready to go on the line. Emma ran with me. She motivated me. She was telling me what times we were at at each kilometre. And then eventually, when we crossed the line, to my astonishment, which I couldn't believe, I'd actually done it in 61 minutes and 34 seconds, which equated to the average pace of 9 minutes and 49 seconds. I was like gobsmacked that I'd done it so quick and so forth. I got my medal, which I wore for two days because I was that proud of what I'd have achieved. And I went into work wearing it because obviously all of them at work and seen how far I'd come on my journey. They were all giving me high fives. I continued doing my running with the Wilkinson Warriors group. And then come January 2020, there was a charity 10K for cancer research. One of my best friends, Michael, had passed away in December last year with lung cancer. So from his initial diagnosis, I've been by his side. So this event, I actually raised £500 for cancer research. The emphasis on that was raising money for such a worthwhile cause and obviously doing it in memory of my friend Michael. From then on, I've continued running with the Wilkinson Warriors. And at the beginning of February, there was another local 10K. I was about seven kilometres into that run and I felt my hip go. So I think adrenaline kept me going for the last three kilometres of that run. I was in a lot of agony. It was like an electric shock in my hip. I went to the doctors and it was established that I got IT band syndrome in my hip, which is an overuse injury. I've not been used to running and I've probably done a bit too much. So I was out of commission for a month. Come beginning of March this year, there was a local Accrington 10K run. Knowing the way I thought, I thought, well, I've, I've booked on to do it. I'll do it. I didn't want to overexert myself in case my hip injury flared up again. But I'm glad to say that um, it didn't do, and I successfully run it with quite a few of the Wilkinson Warriors group. Then come mid-March this year, obviously lockdown came into effect. I continue to run on my own, but I also introduced some cycling. In June this year, I invested in a road bike because just before I got the road bike, I'd actually done with some of the runners from Wilkinson Warriors a bike ride of 60 miles, which was another major achievement for myself. My mum, again, kindly bought me a Garmin watch so I could track heart rate, how many calories I was burning and everything like that. Probably in June, I started running back with the Wilkinson Warriors. We'd meet up in groups of six and then just run socially distanced. And then with a couple of them to do bike rides, 
before I've come on to this interview, I've actually just done a 20-mile bike ride. I'm majorly into running and also cycling now. You are amazing, Craig. I mean, we're talking the two-year period, you know, and how far you've come and that you're basically traded uh, one addiction for another, if I may say so, because you're now hooked on running and now cycling. So I can see why, I mean, you described it very well, like your first experience at a 10K and beating your own time and just being inspired by your fellow runners and, and your running group, how you would be hooked on running and now, or racing, and now you're biking. So is your next uh, stop doing a triathlon, you think? I can swim, but I'll have to get practicing. <laughs> yeah, there you go. You could do a relay. You could do the running and the biking portion, have somebody else swim. <laughs> I suppose that could be another ambition of mine to improve my swimming. It sounds like that would be the next step for you. Yep. It's like at the pace that you're going, I'd see you yeah. in a triathlon next year. <laughs> yeah, any, anything, anything's possible with the right mindset. And I've certainly got that. Yeah. You certainly do. You have an incredible, as I said, incredible mindset, incredible discipline. Besides the ability to move again and to just do exercise on a regular basis, have you been able to remove any of your other life-saving support, like the breathing machine or any of the medication that you were on? December last year, I had to see the respiratory consultant, and he said that I didn't need to use the uh, CPAP machine anymore. I've been able to reverse sleep apnea. So when I went to see him, he said it worked in, in that uh, specialised uh, medical thing for 20 years. In his working life, his career, he'd never known anybody lose such amount of weight as me and be able to reverse sleep apnea. I had seen him previous. I had six monthly appointments with him. So we knew the journey I was on. So the last appointment that I had with him in December last year, he knew I took up running and everything. So he was asking how my running was. Well, obviously, the month before, I'd just done the 10K. So on his notes, he actually made a note of the time that I'd done the 10K in, 61 minutes and 34 seconds. And he actually said that in some of his meetings or any lectures, that he would use me as an example of how much weight I'd lost and how I'd turned my life round and how I'd found a love of running. He took quite a few of the facts down and he was over the moon for me, saying, I just can't believe how much you've lost. I've never known anybody of your weight be able to reverse sleep apnea. So he shook my hand very firmly and he was like, he didn't let go because he was like, he was made up for me. And obviously he was quite, he brought a tear to my eye, tell you the truth. That made me realise how far it had come. Because when I was back in the hospital in April 18, that was the, the specialist who diagnosed that I had sleep apnea and they had, these other complications, obviously, with the excess weight. So he'd seen firsthand the journey that I'd come on. And it was like a victory for me, being able to not having to use this machine at night. 
and also I was on two heart tablets. I got prescribed them back when I was in hospital to slow my heart rate down. Now, I don't need to take them anymore, which is another good thing. The only other tablet that I have to take is a blood pressure tablet. So I've been able to reduce my medication quite considerably. But the main focus was being able to reverse sleep apnea. I get about six, seven hours sleep, whereas before it was disrupted sleep with the excess weight and your airways and you're not being able to breathe proper. Incredible, Craig. I mean, I read the article in the Daily Mail and saw, I mean, there are so many pictures in there that were just mind-blowing to me. The difference between 2018 and now, like, or even last year. So I really commend you for your effort and your discipline. And, you know, you turned your life around completely. It was literally a life or death decision, as you had said earlier. So, you know, to, to sort of wind down the interview, what has been your proudest moment in life inside and outside of running? I would say outside of running was losing the 16 and a half stone in weight, becoming half the man within a 12-month period through sheer determination, discipline, willpower, and every other word to describe the journey that I'd come on. I was so proud of myself when I got to 16 and a half stone. Like I said, I never in my wildest dreams would have thought I would be half the man, but I stuck at it, and I'm, I'm very happy. That would be the proudest moment in my life. I've had close family support, uh, friends, work colleagues, when they used to get weighed every Friday, I'd have text messages asking how much have you lost this week? So that even spurred me on, motivated me. Such kind comments and everything like that. It's been unbelievable. Within the running aspect of things, I would say that doing my first official Blackburn 10K in such a remarkable time was a big achievement and I wore that medal for two days. I slept with that medal. I was so proud that somebody like me at 33 stone who couldn't barely walk up a flight of stairs could sustain a 6.2 mile run 10k and do it in such well it might not be a fast time to some people but to me it was one heck of an achievement. No, that was an amazing pace because you told me it was a 949 pace, which for your first 10K is incredible. I, I will say that. <laughs> I, I admire you very much. And then did you learn any important lessons from running since you started? Uh, the important lesson is that I've learned from running is to never give up on my dreams the dreams that I had to run and the importance of team support, joining the local running group, the Wilkinson Warriors, how everybody looks out for each other, supports each other, applauds you, and nobody gets left behind in running. It's like one big family, a running family, and there's such a lovely bunch of people. That's the Wilkinson Warriors. 
But obviously, when I've done these runs that I've entered, the general spirit of the people that run, the people that marshal it, giving you the shouting out, kind comments, support. I've got great satisfaction out of running through the achievements that I've been able to do. But also mentally, that's what I've found has helped me a lot. Going for a run, all the endorphins that are released in your body, they give you such a good feeling. When you're mid-run, sometimes you're not feeling it, but you think, I'm going to keep going. But afterwards, when you've done the run, the sense of achievement is second to none. Yeah, that's why I run. Sometimes I just don't feel like it, but I know that it's going to make me feel better when I'm done. So just getting through it and then having said, okay, I feel so much better. It's for me, I can't do a morning without coffee. I couldn't do a day without running either (laughs) for the same reasons. (laughs) So in my opinion, I think just listening to you, you, you know, you have incredible insight. Like you you should think about coaching maybe. I don't know if you have thought about it, but let's start here. What would you tell someone who says I can or I will never run or running is for crazy people? You learn by trying. If you say running's not for me or it's for crazy people, you have to have the right attitude. In my case, when I took up running on the journey I've been, it was not a sprint, it was a marathon. So initially, if you take up running, if you try running, you have to have the right mindset, attitude, and think, yes, I can do it. But it's small steps at the beginning and build it up slowly. Right. And you you started with your 30-second jogs, two-minute walk, as you said, from one corner to the next as you said baby steps you just start small and you start building from there it's it's one day at a time that's all you can do right but if you do it and feel the benefits coming from it you won't stop at least that that was the case for me and many people that I've been speaking to on this podcast and for you it's just been a complete life changer so Again, full of admiration for you. I, I am so grateful that you were willing to speak with me today and share your story. I encourage everybody to look you up because <laughs> they won't believe it until they see it, really, um, because your pictures are just so incredibly mind-blowing. So thank you very much, Craig, for your time today. And... Um, I'd love to keep in touch, you know, maybe uh, there's a race like the, you've done the great North half. I don't know if it's happening this year, but that sounds like a beautiful race, something that I would love to travel for. So. Right. Yeah. That'd be great. That would yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Craig, have a wonderful evening. Thank you again. And uh, keep up the amazing work. Continue to inspire everyone around you because I think you already are. I certainly will. Yeah, thank you. Thanks very much. Craig's determination and discipline are truly remarkable. I encourage you to get a visual of his incredible transformation by Googling Craig Moody Blackburn. I hope his story inspires those of you who are struggling with obesity. If Craig can run, so can you. 
I truly believe that joining the Wilkinson Warriors played a major role in his love for running. If you need motivation, research local running groups in your area. It's true what Craig says, they will welcome you with open arms. If you've had challenges or obstacles in your life that you have conquered by getting into running, we would love to hear your story. To enter, just email us at quitxstartrunning at gmail.com or leave us a voice message with a brief introduction and an overview of your story. We look forward to receiving your submissions. Some final wrap-up notes before we go. In case you're looking for me in other corners of the World Wide Web, the best way to find me is on Facebook and Instagram under my name, Antonia De Heinrich. That is A-N-T-O-N-I-A-D-E-H-E-I-N-R-I-C-H and on the I Quit X and Started Running Facebook page. To subscribe to this podcast, simply go to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or whichever your favorite podcast platform may be. Thank you so much for joining me today for the final episode of Season 1. Harvest is starting and I gotta go make some wine. I look forward to welcoming you back in November for Season 2. Until then, my friends, quit whatever you're doing and start running. <laughs>